It's in my humility that his power and his strength comes upon me. That's Christianity. It's Christ in you and Christ in me, living that life out daily in our life. We've, uh, we've got a big event coming up in July. I'm still sharing. I'm not on sermon time yet. Um, but uh, we have a big event coming up uh, July 17th and 18th. It's Reopen America uh, with General Flynn and about 30 others. Um, this is one of those things where you said yes, and you said, what am I doing? Because you realize you don't think about organizationally what you have to do. But I want to show you a diagram what we're going to be doing here. And it kind of affects a lot of things. This is a tent that will be out front that will seat roughly 1,500 people. It says 1,402, but I, I know I can get another 98 people in there. Those big aisles, those are gone away already. But um, what that means for us as a church, it means that we have to take down the light poles and the shade structure out front. Can, I, can you leave that up for a minute? Oh, it's still up there? Good. Okay, so we have to take all of that down to erect this tent. And it takes about a week to set this tent up because it's 35 feet at the, at the top of the, of the, uh, the highest point. And then we'll put uh, two LED screens in there, and then we'll be able to see 1,000 people in here. So we'll, we'll have 2,500 seats. And last I heard, there were only 94 seats left. So it's been a, it's been a really good thing to ha have happen. Um, but also, I, when I thought about it, I thought, well, we've got to take the shade structure down. And for those of you seated outside right now, you're freaking out. But, uh, but just be encouraged because we feel like whenever you move down a, a road, the hand of God is always directing your steps. So sometime back, we decided that we were going to refinance this church. And in refinancing it, we were also going to uh, add a construction loan into it because we wanted to do some things. We wanted to change some things up. So I want to show you the next diagram and kind of give you, it's kind of like a little business meeting. Is that okay? You, you guys good with this? All right. So the, uh, the top picture is what the building looks like now. And then the bottom one is what we're modifying the front of the church to. And it's uh, all going to be in white, smooth, stucco, uh, silver. It's really going to be cool. And uh, you see that cross in the center? You may remember uh, it was last year that the, uh, uh, the city uh, actually gave us a fine because we had a cross that was blocking a parking space. Do you remember this? How many remember this? And so um, I agreed to take it down, and we put it up on the cross so we could elevate it even higher. But then the more I thought about it, we were in the process of talking to our architect, and I said, I want a big cross. Um, so the top of that cross is 35 feet high. Right now, our current building is only 21 feet high, so it's going to go 17 feet above where our current building is right now. So that's what happens when you mess with us. <laughs> Amen? And we thought we'd put LED lights in the back of it so you could see it at night as well as in the daytime. Um, so anyway, um, here's kind of a clean shot of it, uh, the next picture yet you just had up. Well, there you go. We'll, we'll go to that one. So this phase two is we, we like the shade structure. We decided it was a great gathering place, so we wanted to expand it. So this is what it's going to look like in the days ahead. We're going to actually use paving stone, and it'll be nice all the way across there. We'll have some umbrellas, some outdoor seating over there, and it'll be a permanent uh, situation for us. I think there might be, is there one more picture? Yeah, there you go. That way you can kind of see what it looks like laying over what we're currently doing. So um, the good news is that uh, we've been really good stewards of what God has blessed us with, and uh, we don't need to ask any money from you to do that building. 
It doesn't mean you're off the hook. I mean, I'm just telling you, just be, we don't, we got this one covered. So as soon as we move into, so we'll have all the plans into the city by uh, July 1, and all we have to do is permit that first phase. Second phase is a CUP, and uh, we'll work on that next and so we can get things started. So what I'm trying to say to the outside uh, audience right now is we were going to have to take it down to begin construction anyway, so God's hand just kind of led us through all of that. Um, today I want to talk to you from the book, uh, largely from the book of Deuteronomy, and uh, if you're new to the Bible, if you're new to the Word of God, that's in the Old Testament, and it is, uh, it is a book that uh, it, it literally means the repeat of the law. So sometimes when you read Deuteronomy, you think, I think I've read this before. Yeah, you have, because God wrote Deuteronomy to kind of remind you of what you forgot. Amen? You ever, you ever need reminders? You know, I, I'll ask my wife something, and she'll say, uh, don't you remember? And I go, well, if I remembered, why would I ask? Right? I, I don't remember. Well, you should remember was the message I probably should have listened to. But anyway, what, what, is, what does God tell us in his word? What's the big picture that God has to say to you and I today? I think it's obey, obey the Lord. Just obedience. There's something so powerful when you obey God. Now, that presupposes you know what God wants you to do. And we're going to talk about that. What does God want me to do? Well, clearly it's laid out in the Word of God. It's also laid out in, in, in our lives when we see how we're moving and we go like, I sense God's directing me. So that's the directive movement of the Spirit of God in our life that we always want to be sensitive to. So the Word of God, the Spirit of God, wise counsel always helps to guide us in a process. When you get the right people around you to speak into you, it really does bring value to your daily life. And then there's a question I always like to ask, is this consistent with the way that God works in our world? See, a lot of people say, well, I think God's going to do this. Well, I ask, has God ever done that? Is that consistent with the nature and the character of God? Because you always want to say, I want to have multiple kind of checks and balances in my life so that when I obey the Lord, I am truly obeying the Lord and not just following my own desires. So we try to safeguard that in that way. I had a good friend... Uh, that was in a gang in Houston and uh, got saved, became a pretty famous evangelist, traveled with Billy Graham for years. And I asked him one time, I said, Freddie, what, what did you learn in the gang that transfers into Christianity? And he said two things. He didn't even have to think about it. He said loyalty and gratitude. Loyalty and gratitude. Can you think of two qualities that I'm sure you could think of a lot of them. Can you think of two qualities that, that, that could be greater than those two? Loyalty to the Lord and gratitude for what he's done. How about on a human level? Loyalty to your friends, gratitude for what they've done for you. Isn't it, isn't it a little bit disarming when you hold the door open for somebody and they walk in and don't say thank you? You know, and, and I don't know how many of those people I've tripped. <laughs> what, no thank you? You get a trip. No, I, I don't really do that, but I do think about it. Don't tell, don't look at me like you're spiritual and you don't think about it. You know, they don't think, you go like, you just want to slam the door and I'll give, show you. You know, and then the Holy Spirit will say, well, who you, what are you doing it for? I'm doing it for a thank you, clearly. <laughs> no, you're doing it because it's the right thing to do. I said, oh yeah, I, I forgot that, I forgot that. Loyalty and gratitude. Ask yourself that. Are you loyal? And are you grateful to God? Because those things, they pan out in our daily life. 
When I'm loyal to God, then I say, "What God, what do you want me to do? When I'm grateful to him, then I honor him in doing, giving my time, my money, my energy, sharing my gifts, all those things with him. So let me take you back now to Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 and 2. Now it shall come to pass, if, and I want to just kind of highlight that word, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today. So God sets the stage. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to follow the word of God. I want you to know the word of God. Now, everybody in this room is at a different level spiritually, meaning that how much knowledge you have of the Bible is going to be different for you than somebody else. Here's the key. Be obedient to that which has been revealed to you. When, you, when God reveals something, he will reveal more when you're obedient to that. So God's not going to put you on overload and say, well, look, you have, to, you have to be obedient to everything in the Bible instantly, but I don't even know what's in the Bible. I don't even know how to find the Bible, the, the books of the Bible. But when God shows you something, for example, today God is going to show you something through this scripture or through the words I say, and you're going to have to ask yourself this, can I be obedient to that? Yes or no? It's not like I'm thinking about it. No, can you be obedient to that? So look what he says. He says, when you do that, the Lord God will set you high above all nations. So what you see in the scripture is a promise not just for the individual, but all for the, for the nation. He's saying, nations, I want you to be obedient to God. When we talk about America and we say one nation under God, we're saying something, aren't we? When we talk about trusting in the Lord, we're saying something as a people. When we pledge our allegiance, we're pledging it to, to, to be for gratitude and loyalty on a national level. But when we put God in there, it's taking it to a new level. God, we want our country to be God-honoring. We want our country to exalt righteousness in everything that happens in our world. And we're going to do everything we can to try to make that happen while we're here on planet Earth. And he goes on to say, and all of these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Now, when you read Deuteronomy, you see all the blessings he brings to us. But he says, okay, when you do that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring blessings upon you. See what it says? I'm going to bring them upon you, and they're going to overtake you. In other words, you're gonna, they're going to come on top of you, and then you're going to start seeing them out in front of you, and you're going, wow, I've got to run to catch up with all the blessings of God. Because look what he's doing. He's got them on me, but he's got them out in front of me. And, I'm, and you see, faith is always living in the future, isn't it? Faith is living in the next five seconds. Can I trust God in the next five seconds? Doubt always lives in the past. Have you ever noticed that? Whenever you're like depressed, discouraged, you think things aren't working out, it's always based on the track record in the past that you think you have. That's why that, you know, parents, if they're smart, they'll sit down with their kids at around dinner table or whenever they can get together and say, tell me how you've been blessed by God. Tell me the good things that are happening in your life. Because we have to be conditioned to think positive. Amen. Otherwise, we're just going down the drain. You, you know, have you ever been around somebody who just lives in the drain? And, you know, and it's like this, 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 what do they call this? This world thing? Whirlpool? This whirlpool is just sucking you down the drain. You go, I don't want to go down the drain. Come on, come with me. It's going to be great. Look how bad things are. Guys are experts at this. Guys are experts at saying something like, oh, yeah, that, this is what happened to me. And the guy will say, oh, that's nothing. Let me tell you what happened to me. Right? Or, or how about this? I sold a car for this, and now it's worth this. Oh, that's nothing. I got ripped off far more than you did. I hadn't made a worse deal than you ever made. Why is it? Because it's our human nature, not our divine nature. Divine nature always looks forward with optimism and positivity. 
and say, hey, we may be facing a problem, but guess what? We can overcome. Amen? Amen. Can you just say, we can overcome? See, that if you just keep saying that to yourself, you're going to be a winner in this game of life. Third John, a little book uh, toward the end of the New Testament, verse, uh, chapter one, verse two, says this. And it's such a powerful scripture. I, I want to let it sink in a little bit because he talks about three things. He talks about our business, our physical, and our emotions. He says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper. Now, the particular word he uses here has to do with business affairs. It has to do with being productive and seeing a return for your labor. So he says, I pray that you may prosper. So you see, God wants you to be successful in your business. God's not, not trying to say, I, you know, just don't worry about your business. Just, just let everything go down the tube and, and fail at everything. And, but if you love me, it's going to be cool. No, so God, I want, God says, I want you to do that. I want you to do that. In all things and be in health. And now this word here has to do with, with the physical well-being. So God says, I want your business to do well. I want you physically to be well. And then just as your soul, this is your mind, your will, and emotion, also prospers. So God takes in all three dimensions of our living. He talks about our, our financial world, our business world. He said, I want you doing well there. He talks about your physical. I want you being in good health. And I, and I want you, mind, will, and emotions, I want you spiritually connected with me in a really good way. You see, this is, this is the biblical definition of prosperity. When we hear prosperity, we think it all has to do with how much money you have. You can have all the money in the world and be a pauper. You can be broke, bankrupt. And you put your effort and all your energy in that stuff. But inside, you're going, wow, why did I exchange that for this? That's why the Bible said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What do you get out of that? You don't get anything out of that. I've known people that are happy and people that are sad. Some of them have money, some of them don't. Money is not, not the key to happiness. Amen? Second thing, give unto the Lord. Obey God, give unto the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 8. I love this chapter. Really encourage you to go back and read Deuteronomy 8. I like to go back and read it on a regular basis to recenter me. You know, when things are going well, sometimes you just forget. You forget who's really ultimately responsible for your, your success, your prosperity, the, the, where you are in life. And you think it's about you. And it's never about you. It's always about him. Always about him. Deuteronomy 8. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. Now, on the surface, it seems like if you're a Christian, you'd never forget him. But the idea is you forget him in your life. You get busy, and all of a sudden, things take place where they shouldn't take place. And he gives you an example of what it means. When you have eaten and are full, and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. So here's the first layer of forgetting. I, I, all of a sudden, my life's going pretty well. I have a home to live in, and I, I have food to eat. So that's layer one. That's basic stuff. 
And then he goes on, when your herds and your flocks multiply. Now he's talking about your business world. When you start to prosper in that area and your flocks multiply, your silver and gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied. Okay, now second level. Okay, so I've got basic needs met. Now I'm going in here. Now it's not basic anymore. Now I've really started to, to see something happen in my life. Then are when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord. So all of a sudden, prosperity has a tendency to make me dependent on me, to make me think it's all about me. Now, in our heart and our spirit, we know it's not true, but we live that way sometimes, don't we? And look what it says. Then you say in your heart, my power and my might and my hand have gained me this wealth. Now, I would never say those words, but I might live my life that way. Does that make sense? You know, kind of like, yeah, boy, I'm doing really good, and I've been successful, been a hard worker, and made some good business deals, and da-da-da, and all those kind of things, and you, you, you kind of forget, like, wait a minute, what about the Lord your God? You got to recenter. You got to bring everything back and say, wait, I got to recalibrate my life for a moment because I'm out of control. You know how long it takes to get out of spiritual control? Every second of your life, you're going like, all of a sudden, I'm just going to, I'm going, I'm spiritually bankrupt. Do you realize when you're spiritually bankrupt, you don't know it, but everybody around you knows it? It's the weirdest thing in the world. You're spiritually bankrupt. You don't know it. You think you're doing fine. And then somebody says, you know, I think you're just kind of not as close to the Lord as you used to be. Ah, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm doing good. Closer than I've ever been. But you know it's not true on the outside. And if you're a good friend, it's hard to even say anything to someone on that level. Amen? He says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. It's him. It's always him. I remember I, I've told this story probably a hundred times, but it just always bears repeating because it's so amazing. When I was pastoring and we were first uh, married in Louisiana and, and we had a one of the leaders in our church was a guy named uh, uh, Ansel Carruth. And uh, Ansel came up to me one day, and he, he said, you know, you need to tithe on what you want to make the next year. I said, what? Right? What? He says, yeah, how much do you want to make next year? I said, he said, just give 10% of that, and then the Lord will just prosper you in the way. I said, I don't know, Ansel. I'm making like 450 bucks a month. Um, I don't know if I got another percentage left in me. I got two kids, got a car payment, got an apartment. And I and, and I but I, I kind of thought it did make sense because what you sow you reap, amen. So I just thought, well, I'm just gonna try to, you know, give a little bit more than I tithe every year. 10% is a tithe is 10% of your income. So I just started giving a little bit more and I forgot about it. I literally forgot about it for the next 10 years. And one day I was in my office and I remembered this guy. And I said, I wonder, I wonder if that's true. And I'm one of those weird guys that keeps every income tax uh, that he's ever filed since he was 16. All right, it, it's like a nightmare when you come look at, you know. But the good thing is when you don't make much money, they're really thin, have you noticed that? <laughs> right, it's like one paper, one page. You don't even fill out the whole front, you're just like, how much do you make? Yeah, give it all to me. But anyway, so I went back and I looked. I went back and I traced every year because it has on there how much donations you have and how much income you have. And I looked at it, 
And it was the most amazing thing. Every single year, my next year's income increased by the amount that I'd tied the year before. And, I, and you've heard this saying, and it, it, does, it's not, it doesn't work in the accounting world, unless you go into divine accounting, that you cannot outgive God. You just can't outgive him. And, and God promises, you see, God has a promise attached to it. Let me, let me show you that promise, Malachi chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. He says, bring, he's talking about your giving here. He says, bring, that means be present, all the tithes into the storehouse. Huh. That there may be food in my house and try me. Do you know the only time in the Bible where God says, put me to the test, is this one? He never says, test me on anything else. He only says, test me in giving. You know why? Because our money is a symbol of our heartbeats. We work for them. And it's the hardest thing for us to relinquish is our money. All through my life, I've had people say, I bet it's hard to, to teach on giving. I said, no, it's actually really easy because it, it makes up so much of the Bible. Jesus spoke more about stewardship than he did about heaven because he knew what keeps you from heaven or makes it uncomfortable for you to live in this world as a Christian is when we're not releasing in the kingdom what God wants to do. So he goes on to say, test me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open, that means let loose or break forth for you the windows of heaven. Now, now what, if you, what if you could just imagine if this were, you say, what if that really works, okay? So you mean when I give, God opens up the windows of heaven for me and blesses me in ways that I can't even imagine. Does that really work that way? Does it really work that way? You know, um, do I have that picture of the trailer? I want to just show this. Do we have the trailer picture? I think we're going to show it at the end. Let's see if we can pull this up. So this, see this trailer right here? This was just donated this morning to our church. It is so cool. Um, I decided, well, I was talking to, to Doug over here, and I said, Doug, he said, what are you going to do with it? I said, what we're going to do is going to put bunk beds in it, and we're going to drive around all the guys that are in trouble with their wives. We're going to let them bunk in there. <laughs> Make the loop until they get out of hot water. I, but actually, it's for our, our food distribution uh, ministry, and it, we feel like it's going to be a great way. I think it's like 28 feet long. It's really big. It's really nice. And, you know, those things don't happen unless you have a generous heart. The donor had a generous heart because you can sell it. Take the money and give a few bucks to the church, and I feel pretty good about myself. There's something about generosity that is so like God. It's just hard to put your finger on. And there's something that's about selfishness that is so not so like God. I've never felt good for being cheap to somebody. You know, how'd you do? I was, it was really cheap. You know, the guy was hungry and I gave him a buck. I never felt good. Well, what if he uses that money for something he doesn't, he shouldn't. Well, I'd use my money for stuff I shouldn't, probably. I buy stuff I don't need. I buy clothes I think I can actually fit into. <laughs> I got three sections in my closet. I got skinny fill, medium fill, and fat fill. I'm not, you know, now skinny fill is elusive. It's hard to catch that guy. I don't know where he is. 
I, I had this orange, you know, uh, soccer shirt, you know, that I, I, I had when I was skinny Phil. And I thought, I'm just going to put it on and see how bad it is. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I understand the life of a sausage. <laughs> I thought, how on earth did I ever get in this shirt? <laughs> then the great, second great dilemma is, how do I get out of it? <laughs> Can anybody relate to this, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know what that has to do with anything, but I'm moving on. So God, what God does is when, when we release, God brings graciousness and power and, and things in our life that we never could have imagined. You know, if you walk out outside, you'll see there's a, a, a refrigerated truck that we use to, to haul all of our food out. That was donated. There's an Escalade out there. That was donated. I mean, it's just amazing. We've had other vehicles that were donated, and, and we didn't need them, so we sold them and put the money back into the church. But, but generosity is such a big thing. When we release, I should probably release some of my skinny clothes to you. <laughs> he says, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven. There's not going to be room enough to hold it. Amen. Why not put God to the test? Why not try? See what God will do in your life. There's something about just joy that brings wholeness of being. Right? Have you ever noticed that? When you, have you ever noticed when you're laughing, you kind of forget about your problems? Oh, yeah, I got that problem. Well, go laugh again. It's like the, the, the UCLA professor that got cancer, and he developed laugh therapy. It's used today. He decided, well, if I have cancer, I'm just going gonna, gonna to watch funny movies. I'm going to laugh. And before long, he, he was better. And they, they found out there was a connection between my emotional being and my physical being. That's why I say, if you hang around people that are negative, you will become negative, and you will become, you'll pick up their ailments. So if you can't transform them, run. That's, that's what I say, okay? Let me give you another one. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. What is that? It's another way of saying what you sow, you reap. I mean, I, I could write literally a whole book about, about our experience with giving and how God has blessed us. And, and it's just like, how did that happen? How did this come back to me? You know, and it was just like, God just keeps showing. Let me show you what I can do. Let me show you what I can do. And it's such a blessing. You know, um, in this season right now, one thing that we, we do, we try to bring a message on this subject in the summer because this is a time when a lot of, uh, a lot of people's money goes on vacation. <laughs> you follow me on this one? And, uh, and I, and I want to tell you what we really need. I, 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 there, I have a, a very specific need that I'd like you to respond to today uh, or, or over this week and pray about it, but in order to put up that tent, rent that tent, do all those things, we need about $35,000. It's not a lot of money for, for a congregation this size, but I'm just going to throw that out there. If you can help us with that, with a small or large gift, uh, if you do that, that would be a great blessing. Um, because I think when we get, when we participate in something, there's something different. When you see something happening and you know you were part of it, you also get the blessing that came from, when the, from the people that got blessed. Okay? 
Third thing I want to tell you is trust the Lord. It's easy not to trust God. It's easy to worry, right? That's why the Bible says in Philippians 4, have no anxiety about anything. Well, that's easier said than done. But by prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Therefore, whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is a good report, worthy of praise, think on these things. You know how you keep from anxiety and worry? You think on the stuff you're supposed to think about. So you're, if, you're, if you're worried right now, think, what are you thinking about? You go, well, it's, okay, then is it good, lovely, excellent, worthy of praise? No. Then don't think about it. But you can't think in a vacuum. You can't just empty everything out and just not think about it. So what you do is you put the good stuff back in there. Well, I'm going to think about something good. I'm alive. Pretty good statement. All the dead people I know aren't saying that. I was at a, at a store, and a guy behind the counter, he was just not a good guy. You know, I mean, he just was negative and... How you doing? I go, and he mumbled at me. And I, I go, well, you look like a pretty intelligent guy. Kind of stood a little straighter. Well, yeah, I'm all right. You appear to be alive. Kind of laughed. Yeah, yeah, I'm alive. Now, this job, how's this job? Oh, this job's horrible. I said, well, are they paying you? Yeah, yeah, they're paying me. Oh, that's good. So you get a paycheck. Okay, so you're pretty smart. You're alive. You get a paycheck. How you doing now? He said, I think I'm doing better. <laughs> Take an inventory. You'd be surprised how well you're doing, but when you focus on the wrong thing, how bad you're doing. Let me give you this story. Uh, we, our first new car was a black Chrysler. I mean, I just wanted a car that didn't smell like French fries. You know what I'm talking about? It smelled like that new leather smell, you know, just that new car smell. So we bought a, a new Chrysler, and it was black, and it had silver interior. I mean, it was like everything, right? Nobody could eat in it. Had rules. You know, that, only, that doesn't last very long because then you get hungry. <laughs> so I'm coming home. I'm thinking about my car, how nice my car is, and it's busy traffic, and all of a sudden somebody stops really fast, and I stop in time so I don't hit the car in front of me, and then the guy behind me doesn't, and he hit. Oh, i got to tell you one more story. Let me hold that story. So I got the car, and it's black. Now, why do they undercoat cars in gray or white paint? So that you have to go in the shop to get it repaired. This is, this is the same reason that dentists use that little tool. To, they say, I think there's a cavity coming there. No, they're breaking through the enamel right there. They're, you're going to have, I guarantee you, see what a good dentist I am? Yeah, you drilled a hole in my tooth. So anyway, so somebody opened the car door, and I got a little white dot on the door. And I developed a dot complex. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I just think every, I could only see the dot. It's the only thing I could see. I tried everything. I tried a little touch-up paint. It looked worse. You know, I, I tried to sneak up on it. You know, I wouldn't come out. I'd come around the back way so I wouldn't see it. And I realized that what happened is in life we develop a dot complex. There's something negative, and all we do is focus on it. And we can't get around it. 
and it's a dot complex. And so I had this car with a dot complex. It was perfect other than the dot. I'm coming home. I stopped in time. The car behind me didn't. It ran to the back of me, and it crushed that little Chrysler like a, an accordion. Happiest day of my life. I got rid of the dot. Now, what's, what's the object of the story here? The thing that bugs you, God can take it completely away from you, and he can restore you with something. And I didn't, I didn't, I don't know, I probably haven't had three new cars in my life. They're just not worth it. I want to get something, somebody's already got a dot on it, and I can live with it, and, got a, and I got a discount. Amen? So what's the dot in your life today? What's keeping you from really enjoying life and enjoying God? What's bringing you down? Everything away. And he'll restore it with something that doesn't have a dot complex. But you have to trust in the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 7 and 8. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. You have enemies. You say, well, no, I don't really. Yes, you have enemies. Enemies can be inflation. And it can be a co-worker. You may not classify on that, but anything that distracts you from God is an enemy. They will, and he says, I'm going to take care of your enemies. He says, when you follow after me, he says, you, they shall be defeated before your face. They shall come against you one way, but they shall flee before you seven ways. Then the Lord will command, look at this, command the blessings on you in your storehouses and all to which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land the Lord God is giving you. God says, I'm going to command blessings on you. You don't even get to choose it. I'm just going to start dumping stuff on you because you followed after me, you trusted me, you obeyed me, and I'm going to command blessings on your life. You're going to get stuff you don't even need. That's what happens. Sometimes we'll get blessed here, and I go, I don't even need it. What do we do with it? Look at Psalm 91.7. A thousand may fall at your side, but 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. In other words, God is going to allow you to prevail in the middle of the storm. You know, this church has prevailed in the middle of the storm for the last year. God has blessed us through this season of COVID in such an amazing way, and we had so many people that, you know, this said, I'm afraid to go to church. I understand. We're going to do outdoor. We're going to do online. We're, you know, we're going to try to help you navigate through this season. But God has blessed us in the middle of the storm in amazing ways. Deuteronomy 28, 12 through 14. Then the Lord will open, and it literally means to plow. You ever seen a plow work? It just takes the, that, that hard soil and just turns it over and gets it ready for sowing. It says, the Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give you rain in your land in its season, to bless all the work of your hand, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. You, see, you get a theme here? That when the individuals understand God, it makes for a great nation. We have become a borrower nation. We have become a nation that can't lend, that we give to nations that don't need it and don't care about us. This is what happens when you step away from God. This is what happens when you don't understand nationally who you are and where you've come from. And that's why it's a great reminder to bring us back to the foundations upon which our nation was birthed and understand that it's one nation under God. And there's a reason for that, amen? There's a reason for that. 
Look what it says, but you shall not borrow, and the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. Would you rather be the head or the tail? Head? Any tails? No, no tails. I want to be the head. I don't want to be on that end. I want to be on the end. I want to see where I'm going. I want to know what's happening. See, that's the idea is that I'm leading. You lead with the head. The tail follows. You don't want to be a follower. You want to be a leader. Lead out in your school. Lead out in your job. Lead out in your community. Be a leader. And he said, and I will command you today, be careful to observe them. You may not turn to, to, to the side, to the right, or to the left, which I command you this, and to go after other gods to serve them. So what is God telling us? Here's, here's some things you have to do if you're going to trust God. You have to accept what you cannot understand. I, there's some things I just, I, God, I don't know, but I'm going to accept it. I've got to see what is possible with God. What could God do if I let God loose in this situation? What could God do? Not what, what can I do. What can God do? Let's let God do it, and then I've got to act on what God has said. What has God said in his word? He says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to command blessings on you. They're going to go in front of you. You're going to run into them. You're going to get more than you need. I love this statement from Robert Morris. He said, our beliefs uh, determines where we will spend eternity, and our behavior determines how we will spend eternity. See, you can believe in God, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, be saved. But it takes your day-in, day-out behavior walking with God to determine how much you're going to enjoy eternity. I want to I invite you to follow the Lord, to trust the Lord, to obey the Lord. Even when it doesn't seem easy, even when it doesn't seem comfortable, even when you don't know what to do other than just say, I, I choose to trust you, God. I just trust, because I, I love you. I just love you. You know, the first step is always coming to faith in Jesus Christ. It's saying, I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to put my faith in that God, uh, the, the God, the, the God who died on the cross, who rose from the dead to give me eternal life. The Bible says, if I confess with, uh, with my mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, here's the promise, I will be saved. What does that mean? That means I will be launched into eternity. I'll be a son, a daughter of the living God. Let's stand with me. I want you to pray with me right now. I'm going to uh, just issue a prayer right now that you can make your prayer. You can pray it right out loud, whether you stand or sit, uh, whether you're inside, outside, or watching online. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you were buried in a tomb and rose from the dead, according to the scriptures. I put my faith and my trust in you this day, right now right here, right now. Save me, Lord Jesus. Save me, Lord Jesus. If that was your prayer, can you thank him right where you are? Just thank him. Just say, God, I thank you that I prayed that, that prayer in faith. I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ so as to be saved. If that was your prayer, now we just, just keep your heads bowed for a moment. If that was your prayer, would you just slip your hand up as a testimony to heaven and say, God, I prayed that prayer. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. All over this room, God bless you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Listen, here's the good news. Your name is written in eternity. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption, the Bible says. That means God has now brought you into his family of God.
Amen? Isn't that good news? Yeah, put your hands together for all the people who, who prayed that prayer.